0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for November 27, 2022, the first Sunday of Advent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. On the heels of Thanksgiving celebrations, the world is already getting ready for Christmas, and we can hardly wait. Christmas lights are going going up on houses all over town, and I've been spotting cars left and right with trees strapped to the top, heading homes to homes to be decorated. With the purity of a child, my son knows Christmas is coming, and he looks joyfully for the signs everywhere. He asks me daily, how many more days? As his attention immediately drifts, I try to explain to him the difference between Sunday of Advent one and anticipating the birth of Jesus and December 1, when he gets to start opening the windows on his advent calendar full of chocolate, counting down to the hope of Santa Claus coming with a few presents. It's not yet Christmas, not yet time for Santa and presents, and not yet the birth of baby Jesus. It's the season of not yet in all kinds of ways, but signs of hope are all around us. Here in church on this first Sunday of advent, Our gospel reading does not begin with scenes of Mary and Joseph preparing for the birth of their baby. Instead, we start with the end of the world. It's always a jarring and unexpected place to begin this most wonderful time of the year. But for whatever reason, the ancients thought it was wise to remind us of what kind of world Jesus was being born into. A world of confusion, violence, destruction, and brokenness very much like our own world. These words of Jesus in Matthew remind his disciples and us about the present world, how easy it is to go numb to our calling to keep awake and to, close our, and, and to close our eyes in fear rather than to look for and expect the Lord to come to us in the midst of the crises and concerns of our time. Jesus uses the story of Noah as a metaphor Noah being the one who was paying attention to God's presence and involvement in the world, as opposed to all those who were going about their business without a thought of God. They knew nothing, is the phrase, and were swept away when disaster came. For us, when we get swept away by the fear and confusion of our time, we are in some sense closing our eyes to the counterforces of love and healing and hope, that are also our present reality and everywhere to be found. But Jesus says to keep awake, God always comes to us in unexpected ways and at unexpected times, not to destroy the world, but to heal us and transform us and restore us to life. It's unfortunate that this passage has been read in so many traditions with our destruction in mind and not our healing and transformation. For all time and in all ages, groups of people from tribal communities to mainline religions to millennial cults have anticipated the end of the world. Apocalyptic religions everywhere hold theories on what it will look like when the end comes. Some say violently, some say with a whisper. Odd as it may seem, The Christian faith is well within the definition of an apocalyptic religion. Our tradition, too, proclaims a future endpoint to the linear timeline when our fallen and broken world will be restored into perfect union with God, our creator. And there are as many ways of imagining what that endpoint will look like as there are denominations of the Christian church. But the word end in theological terms can mean either a finite end or an ultimate reality such as the sense of a highest good or purpose. Jesus, in his full humanity, embodied for us an end or purpose of a human life lived in harmony with God. And through our own transformation into the way of Jesus, our life of Christian discipleship calls us towards that same unified end, a life lived in harmony with God. We may not be there yet, but we must keep awake for every opportunity to align ourselves with that end. The passage we heard from Matthew just now is one of the most frequently cited by people who subscribe to a theory of a coming rapture. You were warned, I was gonna talk about this. (laughs) They envision some being taken up into heaven and others being left behind. In this week's episode of Revved Up for Sunday, our podcast, we discuss this theory and how none of the three of your St. Mark's clergy buy into it, even though two out of three of us were deeply exposed to it as children. That episode garnered a more energetic response than any other episode we've recorded to date. And this reveals to me at least two things. One is that we have a much broader (laughs) listening audience than I thought we did. And second, the rapture theory is alive and well. One listener commented that she planned on having her Thanksgiving early last week because according to the latest calculations, the rapture was expected to come on November 24th. It appears her calculations were off. Among the many that I see, one serious flaw in the rapture theory is that its concept of salvation does not include everyone or everything that God has made. And another flaw is that it envisions a violent demolition of the created world, except for a special group of human beings. But the arc of the Bible story from beginning to end, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, paints a radically different picture of God's love for all aspects of the created order, and it points to a call on God's people to care for it with the same level of concern. The earliest prophets speak to the reality that our relationship with God is bound up in our relationship with all the rest of what God has made. Our disorder and heedless neglect of the earth is a direct index of our disorder and heedless neglect of our faithfulness towards God. From the very beginning of creation, of Genesis, God calls every part of creation good. From the light and the darkness, to the birds of the air, to the fish of the sea, to humankind. Humankind who are made in the image of God. In the Genesis 2 account of the creation story, God makes the human, Adam, from the dust of the fertile soil, which is adama. And this nicely translates into an English wordplay. Humans come from humus. Humus being that fertile layer of soil. As the theologian Ellen Davis says, the soil is more like a relative than a resource. It is to be respected and not just used. We are dust and to dust we shall return. This is the humbling reminder God gives to Adam and Eve after they fall for the serpent's temptation that they could be like God and use their powers without limits. From the beginning, we hold these twin identities. We are made in the image of God, given infinite worth and the highest calling to search for and to know and to commune with God. And we are dust, and to dust we shall return. We need to be reminded of and grounded in both of these identities to be whole and to live in harmonious relationship with God and with the earth. God has made us to hold both of these identities together, and when we neglect one over the other, our image of God gets distorted, and our relationship to the earth is broken. The Psalms and wisdom writings are full of reminders that the earth is the Lord's and every creature in it, and in wisdom, God has made them all. And in the New Testament, in the revelation to John, John has a vision of angels singing the refrain we sing every Sunday from this very altar. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The word rapture is rightly defined as taken up, and its basic meaning is in the sense that our attention is taken up. To be rapt is to give total attention or to show complete involvement in something, and it's a spiritual truism that the thing we pay attention to is the thing that will grow for us. Second coming rapture theorists contort the rapture into something literal where whole persons are taken up to the point where cars will veer off the road when their drivers are suddenly raptured at the second coming of Christ. This is an aberration of all that Jesus embodied and stood for in his life and message of radical love and inclusion to interpret literally rather than spiritually his image of two laborers working in a field, one being taken and one being left and two women grinding meal together when one is taken and one is left. Jesus always speaks first and foremost to the hearts of his listeners with an intention towards our inner transformation. If we read this passage through this this lens, the lens of the heart, we can see how we ourselves or or those closest to us are easily raptured, easily taken up or swept away by the latest fear-mongering message or life-altering crisis of our times. Instead, if we keep awake and give our whole attention towards becoming completely involved in the desires and the heart of God for all God's creatures, we form a different frame of reference for what it means to be taken up or raptured by the signs of the times. The word rapture is also used to mean intense wonder and exaltation and joy. I don't know who in their right mind could find wonder and exaltation and joy and the idea of a violent end to all things, where a few are saved and the earth itself and most of its inhabitants are left behind to burn. This has nothing of God's love and mercy and grace in it, and nothing of God's justice for the whole earth and the teeming, countless embodiments of God's glory that inhabit it with us. It is we who burn the earth down, not God, its loving creator. Jesus was born into such a world and gave his life for it so that we could come to see that no amount of violence will bring us peace. He was born in such a world and gave his life for it so that we could see that God brings life even out of death as the creative force more powerful than any of our powers of violence or destruction. This is a season of not yet, as we continue to long for and anticipate the repair of the world. It's the season to keep awake, to give our rapt attention to all the ways that we can join our hearts with God's in love for one another and for all creation. Let's not let our hearts be taken up by the many crises and pains of our lives, but rather keep awake. And watch for God to appear where you most long for his appearing what is it that you are waiting for and watching for be wrapped with this attention for those things and expect the <coughs> wonder and exaltation of joy and joy of God to be born in you